You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. So thankful to be in God's presence today. Thankful for the mercy and the grace of God. Aren't you thankful for the mercy and the grace of God? Oh, that loves us so much. And to all our guests and visitors, we are so, so honored to have you today. Thank you so much for being here with us today to worship. And uh, if this is your first time, we hope it's not your last. And we look forward to meeting you. Amen. Joshua chapter number six. Joshua chapter number six. And uh, I didn't know what to preach today. And so just going through some of my old notes and just praying. And something struck in my heart today, and so I'm going to share it with you. I pray that it will be a blessing to you. And so I'm going to preach to us from Joshua chapter number 6, a familiar passage of Scripture here, the story of Jericho. And uh, we're probably all familiar with the story of Jericho. And uh, we probably one of the first stories we may have learned as a child in Sunday school, or if you've heard the stories of God, if you go through the highlights, whatever it is, usually this story is in there. And so when you're standing, I just want you to read a couple verses of Scripture. Let's go to chapter 6, verses 9, 10, and 11 of Joshua. Chapter 6, verses 9, 10, and 11. And God commands them they're going to go, and He tells them you're going to march around the city six days, one time, and then on the seventh day, seven times. And it says, And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets, and the re-reward came after the ark, and the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then shall ye shout. So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. So God tells them you're going to go. You're going to march around the city once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, seven times. It's an odd request. It's a unique way to fight a battle. And it's the first time that this generation would encounter a struggle in the promised land. It was a young generation. And so God is teaching them some very important principles at this first battle. And he emphasized, you shall not shout, you shall not make any noise with your voice, and neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth. Now it's not an accident that he talks about their mouth and their voice. Because... Every single one of them would have been under a specific age. 
and would have watched the previous generation that God would have given the promise to, they would have watched them inherit it, but they didn't because their mouths got them in trouble. They were murmuring. And so I want to talk to you today from this simple thought, stop talking yourself out of victory. Stop talking yourself out of victory. Let's lay our Bibles down and let's ask God to help us today. God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word and I thank you for your strength. I thank you for every truth that you've given to us. And I pray in these next few moments, we need your help. We need the anointing of the Lord. We need the spirit of God. Lord, we need external help today. I pray you'd have your way this morning in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord today one more time? Jesus, I praise you, Lord. I love you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord this morning. This was a defining battle. It was a defining moment. It was the first time that many of them would ever enter into battle. It was the first time that many of them would ever see God work on this level. The Bible says that everyone that was 19 years and younger from the time that they left Egypt would survive to go into the promised land. Everyone over that age that left Egypt would not make it to the promised land, including even Moses and Aaron the high priest. Joshua and Caleb would escape this being the only two of the original 12 spies that were sent into the land that came back in faith and confidence of what God wanted to do for the children of Israel. It's a tragic reality that they left Egypt and almost immediately, just a matter of days in the grand scheme, God brought them to what the psalm says, the border of his sanctuary. He brought them to the perimeter, the line of the promised land, and they were able to see the promised land. And God said, I'm going to give it to you. But because of their doubt, because of their fear, because of their hesitations, they literally talked themselves out of victory. God brought them out of Egypt. He caused them to pass through the Red Sea. He sent a cloud to separate the enemy, the Egyptians. He sent a pillar of fire to direct them. He rained manna down from heaven. A rock gushed out water Continually, I preached about it last week. One passage in Psalms said that streams flowed out of the rock. That streams flowed out of the rock 
like a river in the middle of the wilderness. Conservative estimations say that somewhere around a half a million people to two million people were leaving Egypt at that time. God had to provide for half a million people manna and water that flowed out of the rock. So when you think about the water that came out of the rock, it wasn't like a little spout of a drinking fountain. You know how long you'd have to stand in line with half a million people every time you wanted to go get a drink out of the drinking fountain? The psalm says that there were streams like a river that came out of the rock. And in the middle of all of these miracles that were happening on a daily basis, right before their eyes, God took them to the promised land and said, this is what I want to give you. I want to give you cities you didn't build. I want to give you houses you didn't build. I want to give you furnishings you didn't buy, furnishings you didn't make. I want to give you clothes you didn't have to purchase. I want to give you vineyards you didn't have to plant and toil that are ready to be harvested. This was what God wanted to give them. Aren't you thankful he's a good God? Come on, he doesn't give based upon our measure of deserving. He doesn't give me according to what I deserve. I have no rights. I don't have a right to walk in and demand anything before God. He is God. I am nothing. I don't have any right. But it's because of His goodness. It's because of His love. It's because of His grace. It's because of His mercy that He gives to me and to them. He says, I want to give you all of this. And they literally talked themselves out of victory. They talk themselves out of victory. They talk themselves out of blessing. They talk themselves out of the promises of God. I'm here to preach to somebody today that you've talked yourselves out of some things that God wants to give you. You've talked yourself out of some promises that God's had in your life. You've disqualified yourself. You've talked about why it can't happen. The enemy's too great. They're giants. We are just grasshoppers. We're just grasshoppers. Who am I? What am I that I should be able to go in and possess the promised land? What am I that God could ever do a work in my life? I've made too many mistakes. I'm not capable. I can't do it. I don't have the strength. I don't have the faith. And they talked themselves out of victory. God brought them to the borders of his sanctuary, and they talked themselves out of victory. In Psalm 78, we don't have to go there, but it says that they limited the Holy One of Israel and remembered not his works that he had done. They did not, when we're talking about the works that he had done, we're talking about the works he had done just yesterday and the day before. 
They limited the Holy One of Israel. God wanted to give them something greater, and they put a ceiling on it, and they put a lid on it. Amen. I'm here to tell you that God can do miracles in your wilderness, but wilderness is not the final destination. Has God been good? Has God blessed? Yes. But be careful because we can get comfortable living in the wilderness with our miracles. Manna was a foretaste of what, what God wanted to give them. It was a reminder every day. This is what the Bible says. Manna tasted like wafers made with honey. What do they call those? What are they called? Thank you, graham crackers. I was trying to think of what they were. Thank you. Somebody else know it. God gave them graham crackers every day. Graham crackers every morning. Graham, that's what I said, graham crackers. Every morning. Honey grams. Honey grams. How many had honey grams this morning? God said this. He said, you're in the wilderness. But I'm giving you this, it was like a seed that fell down. It was like a wafer made with honey. The Bible says it was like a coriander seed, which is a really fine seed. And they would take it and they would grind it and they would bake it. And he said, I'm giving you this because I want to remind you that I didn't prepare you for the wilderness. I didn't make you for the wilderness. I made you for the promised land. And in the promised land, it's a land that flows with milk and with honey. But you're going to have to go through a wilderness to get there. How long you're in the wilderness isn't depending on God. It's depending on you. But while you're in the wilderness, I want to remind you every day that this is not your purpose. This is not what I intended for you. That in the wilderness, I'm giving you manna. And while manna is miraculous, and we shout and thank God for the manna, amen, manna is not what God intended for you just to live on. We could get comfortable in that place and God said, there's more for you. I have greater things for you. Oh, no. But they talk themselves out of a miracle. They talk themselves out of victory. They talk themselves out of promise. And they were content with the manna. And then they weren't even content with that. They were upset. We want something different. We're tired of this manna. And the more they talk, the more trouble they got in. They talk themselves out of the promise, and then they talk themselves right into sin. What was their problem? Their biggest problem was murmuring. We could go through the time, but I, I don't have time to do that. They're probably almost done cutting the lettuce, so just take my word for it. They murmured. They murmured against God. They murmured against Moses. They murmured against Aaron, the high priest. They murmured against everybody, and they're murmuring. You know, two things happened. One thing happened. Moses says, okay, we'll pr prove, prove that we're not out here. We're not, just, we're not just going on a political campaign. We're not just trying to get people to serve us. We're serving you. And he says, I want you to take one prince of every tribe, take a rod, kill, cut it off, dead staff. I want you to carve your name in it. And he said, I want you to take it, put it in the tabernacle, leave it there overnight. When we come back, whosoever rod God has chosen will be miraculous. And they went back the next morning, and Aaron's rod had a bud. It was dead. It had been cut off. But overnight, it had sprouted a bud. There was a blossom, and there was an omen. Every stage of fruition of growth was represented on that rod. 
God was letting Israel know, he's fulfilling my purpose. I've anointed him. You would think that would be enough. They murmured again. Moses comes out and says, look, step back. And he says, you've murmured against God. The earth is going to open up, and it's going to swallow you up. The earth opened up. What did it do? It swallowed them up. What did they do the very next day? After the earth opened up and swallowed them, the very next day, they come back to Moses and they murmur again. He said, okay, I want you guys to come out here. You stand, you get all your golden censers and you stand out there. And he said, everybody else back up, get away from them. And all of a sudden fire came down and burnt them up right there. We're not playing games, folks. And then what they do? They murmured after that and said, we're tired of this man. And God says, okay, I'll send you food. He sent them so many quails that they ate themselves that there was a plague that came. And, and Moses had to stand in the gap. And then Phineas had to stand in the gap on two times and had to intervene. And they were murmuring, murmuring, murmuring. And all of those people died. And so now the young people that are going over, it's the first battle. And God wants to teach them a very, very important principle on how to get victory, on how to possess promise, on how to go forward, on how to live to your full potential. And here was what God taught them. Shut up and march. Now, for those of you that don't know, that's actually a song. Was it 1990? 1990, 1991, I can't remember. I remember in Indianapolis that I'm looking at Sister Christie because she was in one of the first uh, uh, freshman classes there at Indiana Bible College in Indianapolis. And uh, I, was a, I, was, I was a young man at the time. And uh, they, they did their first recording. I think it was the first recording. And they had a song on that recording. And the title of the song was Shut Up and March. Does anybody remember that song? That was the title of the song. And all my life, I got in trouble as a kid for saying shut up. <laughs> I got spanked as a kid for saying shut up. And then I come to church, and this is 1990, so this was very, very pushing the edge, kind of pushing the envelope. I mean, it raised some eyebrows. There were some people that were pretty upset. <laughs> How dare they? And that was the title of the song. And, and so they sang that song, and I thought, I thought, wow, well, look at this. So I went home and tried that again. Mom said, uh-uh, not in this house. <laughs> I said, I wasn't telling you to shut up. I'm telling the devil to shut up. <laughs> you know how that is. You try to work that way around there. I'm going to get away with that. And, and uh, you're going to get in trouble, too, if you say that any, any, anymore. But this is what God says. In essence, he said, you've got to learn to keep your mouth shut. It's gotten you in trouble. It's robbed you. You have died. You have missed out on the promises. And here's how you're going to get victory in the promised land. At this very first battle, it's so important. You've got to get this right. When you get there, you don't say a thing. Don't make a noise. Don't open your mouth. When God says something, you just do it. And you make your resolve. Yes, you're going to have doubts. Yes, you're going to have questions. But don't 
don't give voice to those doubts. Don't give voice to those questions. Stop talking yourself out of victory. God said, I wanted to do this years ago. 40 years ago, I was ready to heal. 40 years ago, I was ready to bless. 40 years ago, I was ready to move forward. But you keep talking yourself out of victory. And so God says, you've got to stop talking yourself out of victory. Hear me today. Too often, we live beneath our privileges. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, as the church, as the child of God, we live beneath our privileges. Amen. It is God's will that we have victory, absolute victory over sin in our life. It is God's will that we not succumb to fear. It is God's will that we stand in peace, in perfect peace. It is God's will that in the midst of sorrow, and disappointment, we still have a hope that is beyond this life. It is God's will that we are never without hope. It is God's will that we can find joy even in a prison, even in the darkest night. It is God's will that there be faith in our life. We live beneath the privileges that God has for us because we talk ourselves out of victory. And I'm here to tell somebody, it's time we stand on the word and the promise of God and don't give voice to your doubts and your fears. Oh, but God could never use me. Oh, but God could never do that for me. You don't know where I was born. You don't know where I came from. I'm telling you, God's promises are yea and amen. You can have all the victory. You can have all the blessing. You can have all the purpose and all the triumph that God has for anyone. But we talk ourselves out of victory. We disqualify ourselves. We, we make it about us. God says it's not about you. In fact, I'm going to show you how much it's not about you. Seven days, you're going to march around the city. Each day, you're going to go one time, not a word. Just walk around the city. Somebody thought, I, I don't know how this is going to work. But he said, don't say anything. Have you ever thought, God, I don't know how this is going to work? It's okay to have that thought, but don't say anything. Don't give voice to that. Just do what the Bible says. Just keep on marching. Keep on walking. They were marching around. Day two comes. Marching around. Here it is. I don't see how in the world this wall is ever going to come down. But here I am. Marching around. As I march around the wall, I'm looking thinking, there's no way. Look at how well this is built. Look at how impenetrable it is. Look at how strong it is. There's no way. We don't have the ability. But what did God say? He said, just keep on marching. Come on, how many times have you brought a prayer request to the Lord? You've had a burden, and you brought it to the Lord, and you pray about it. And the more you pray, the harder the walls look. Come on, the more you pray, the bigger the walls look. The more you think about it, you think, well, maybe I missed the will of God. Maybe I missed the call of God. I'm here to tell you, we've got to stop talking ourselves out of victory. We've got to stop limiting ourselves. God may be calling you. I don't know in this room every person's purpose. I know the general purpose is God's Word, but I don't know your purpose. 
I don't know where God is calling you to. I don't know the details of what he's trying to work in your life. I don't know, I don't know who he is going to use you to try to reach. I don't know what peoples. I don't know what lands. I don't know what cities. I don't know what families. I don't know what brokenness. You, God wants to use you to mend, to heal. And you're going to come up against things and say, there's no way in the world. I can't do this. There's no way. But I'm here to tell you, don't talk yourself out of victory. Don't talk yourself. I know it's true. I know it's real. I felt those same emotions. You come to the house of the Lord. You come to the church house and you feel the Lord pulling you and you feel the Lord calling you. Sometimes it's as simple as coming in and worshiping. And just when you worship, you say, I feel like standing. I feel like going to the altar. I feel like dancing, but oh, I'm not one of those. I, I haven't lived the right life. Who am I to do that? And we talk ourselves out of victory. How many times have we sat through a service and the conviction of the Lord is pulling on us and we think today, today, but we don't respond because we talk ourselves out of victory. I'm here to tell you that if you have untapped promises, if the word of God is still standing here as a testimony, I'm here to tell you it's time that we stop talking ourselves out of victory and we start saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, to my life, yes, Lord, to my will, yes, Lord, to my purposes you have for my life. We talk ourselves out of victory. We talk ourselves out of things. Excuses. Why we can't give more to the Lord. Why we can't love God with all of our heart. Why we can't respond to God. Why we could never go to the altar. Have you ever heard somebody's testimony said, I came to a crazy Pentecostal church and people were worshiping and praising God. And I said, I'd never do that. Until the day that they surrender and God uses them to do something in their life that they said they would never do, we talk ourselves out of victory. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter number 21. And I'll close with this. Somebody let me know if they're done with the lettuce. 1 Samuel chapter number 21, David is running for his life. And they can come to the music. David is running for his life. And he's, he's captured, he, he, he's left Israel, he's banished, and in running for his life, he's been captured and taken to a king, a Philistine king of Abimelech. And before Abimelech, here he is now, the Bible says that David was afraid. Yeah, yeah. Now we're talking about the man that defeated Goliath. And it says that David was afraid. In, in chapter 21, 1 Samuel 21 and 12, it says, And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Now here's the reality. Where was Goliath from? He was from Gath. David had defeated their strongest warrior. He had defeated their strongest person by the power of God. And now Abimelech comes and here he is in front of the king and he doesn't know what to do. He's afraid. He could talk himself out of victory. He could talk himself out of victory. He could say, man, my own people turned on me. 
here I am. He was living outside of his own family territory. He was an exile. Saul has killed his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands, had rang in the ear of King Saul, and jealousy raged, and David was exiled from his own people. And God told Samuel to go anoint David king over Israel. So David had the promise that someday God was going to use him in the highest office of the land. But now, with that promise, he finds himself at the most remote part, subject to a Philistine king, subject, this isn't looking good, this isn't going to work out. And he could have talked himself out of victory, just like Joseph in the prison who had been given dreams of being used mightily by God, but then he was totally left alone all by himself in Egypt. But he didn't talk himself out of victory. And the Bible says in chapter 21, he changed in verse 13. Look at this. And he changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and scribbled on the doors of the gate and let his spittle fall down into his beard. Then said Achish unto the servants, Yo, uh, uh, lo, ye see this man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of a madman that you brought this fellow to play mad in my presence? Let him go, let him go. But I want to I highlight this line. David in this episode does something really crazy, and that is he acts crazy. He made himself mad. Now, I'm not suggesting here today that you act crazy. But what I do want to key into is the King James phrase, the King James Version phrase, where it says in the last phrase of verse 12, and was sore afraid. That was the last phrase. The last phrase tells us he's afraid. But the next phrase of the second verse, or the next verse says, and he changed his behavior. I'm here to preach, stop talking yourself out of victory. Yes, you may have doubts. Yes, you may have fears. Yes, it may be inconceivable how God is going to work. But it's time you change your behavior. The Bible says that he wrote on the door of the gate. And in chapter 34 of Psalm, go to chapter 34, verse number 1. If you look at the subscript of the title, it says, A Psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. I don't know if that's in there. Psalm 34 and 1, it's not in there. They didn't put it, but it actually is the subscript in the text. It actually exists in the text. That subscript is not an editor's edition. That was actually the ancient subscript of the title of the ancient psalm. And it identifies Psalm 34 as what David did when he changed his behavior. David was afraid for his life. He was in the paradox of having the promise of God 
great promises and living so far that realizing those promises seem like an impossibility. I'm here to tell you, some of you today, you're in that position. You have felt God promise you things in the spirit. It may be family. It may be relational. It may be in the life. It may be in certain things. But then you look at your life and you feel like you're so far from realizing what God has spoken to you. I'm here to tell you this is what David did. He changed his behavior. And you know what behavior he had? He didn't give voice to the doubt. He didn't give voice to the fear. As Joshua said, you wait until the day I tell you and when I tell you, then you shout. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Psalm 34, we're not making this up. This is what David wrote. The Bible tells us that this is what David wrote when he was afraid for his life and he thought it was over. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord. <laughs> oh, magnify the Lord with me. Why did they think he was crazy? Because he was about ready to die. The enemy thought he had him. The enemy thought, aha, we have the man that has killed Goliath. We've captured the one that has terrorized us. And David was afraid. But then something confused the enemy. Because David's over there saying, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come on. I know you came to kill me, but I'm here to tell you it's time. You praise God with me. Praise God. I, I know I'm about ready to die. I, I know what the report says. I, I know what the circumstance looks like, but magnify the Lord with me. And they looked at him and said, this man's crazy. He's lost his mind. Let him go. I'm here to tell you, it's time we stop talking ourselves out of victory. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you may have walked in with fears and you may have walked in with doubts and you may have walked in with concerns, but it's time we give voice to the promises that God has in our life. What was that first song that we sang? Anything is possible. What was the refrain of that first song? The vamp. All of my fears I will turn into praise. That's what I'm talking about today. Come on. I know there's going to be dark nights. There's going to be low times. But I'm going to tell you, if you will just turn your fears into praise, God's got a promise for you. God's got a promise for you. I don't want to embarrass you. Amen. I don't want to embarrass you, Sister Lakely. But I'm so thankful God doesn't give up on us. I'm so thankful that God doesn't leave us. I know there was days we felt like quitting. I know there was days we thought it was over. But God said no. 
grow. And if we'll just give God some praise. Come on. I'm looking for some people today. Come on. That's all right. That's all right. I've got a son here this morning. Come on, babe. I've got a miracle here today. Come on. The devil thought it was over. He thought he, he, thought he had it. Amen. But I'm telling you, we're turning it into something. Hallelujah. Come on, every single one of us in this room.